Good morning. I'm Catherine Richard, and this is NPR News. A few weeks ago, I got a call from my dad. Down in North Carolina, where he lives, a family member had contracted COVID. This person and others connected to this part of my family had not been vaccinated, and it wasn't until that relative was admitted to the ICU and put on a ventilator, where he is right now, that the rest of his family members got their vaccine. These divides over whether to get a vaccine or not have tested my family's relationships, and the same story is playing out over and over across the nation. Some people were first in line to get a vaccine. Others have still not gotten one for some deeply personal reasons that may be tied to culture, religion, or concerns over the safety of the vaccine. Some are being swayed by false information about the shots. And then there are those who say they'll just never get a shot, according to a recent statewide survey conducted by the APM Research Lab, which is part of NPR News's parent company, American Public Media. 51 percent of unvaccinated white Minnesotans are in this boat. Today, we're talking about vaccine hesitancy and COVID-19 and how to have conversations about it. To start us off, we're going to talk to someone who's still deciding whether to get a shot or not. Tommy McBrayer Jr. is a community organizer in South Minneapolis. Good morning, Tommy. How you doing? Good morning. We are really happy to have you joining us today. So just to start off, can you tell us, have you gotten vaccinated yet? No, I have still not got vaccinated yet. And can you just sort of walk us through some of the reasons why you haven't? Um, because just overall, I'm a healthy, uh, healthy guy, you know, um, I eat good, I work out, you know, uh, four days out of seven. So I'm just not, not really in a rush to get it. Um, yeah, really, that's really my reason right now. Yeah. 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 So you feel, you feel healthy. You feel like it's just something you don't need at the moment. I am wondering, are there people in your life who have gotten vaccinated, who you trust that you've been sort of talking to about it to get those questions answered? Oh, yeah. Um, there's been, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people, I'll probably, probably like 50% of the people I know uh, have got it or haven't got it. Um, and it's like really right down the middle. So I hear, I hear uh, different outcomes. Um, people telling me, you know, oh, yeah, tell me I got it in. Uh, my arm was just sore or uh, somebody said, you know, I had a headache the next day. And um, um, and some people say they, you know, their arm was still hurt, you know, to still to this day. And it's been months. Um, so, you know, mm-hmm. you hear different outcomes of people's uh, results. And um, and just I'm just like right now, I'm just like, well, I'm just on the fence with things. Um, I, I was thinking about actually getting it. And then um I, I started seeing them bribe people by t- trying to give people $100 to get it. And that's when I was like, mm, that's when I just started backing out a little bit more. Like, nah, nah. Like, when they start offering people money and, uh, you know, rewards to do stuff, I I, I don't I, I wasn't sold on that. Oh, that's interesting. So some people were really jazzed about that $100 incentive. But for you, it's kind of raised your suspicions, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. Raised it a lot. It's like almost... Uh, you know, uh, they they take they pay people to experiment on a lot of different things, um, like makeup products and stuff like that, and you can get paid uh, to uh, test these products. So I just felt like it was one of those scenarios where they're paying people to to to, to get vaccinated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, has this choice that you've made to so far remain unvaccinated strained any of the relationships that you have with friends or family? Uh, no, not at all. Um, uh, when I, when I, I put a post up on Facebook, 
and I was just telling, just like, just bringing it up, like, um, I'm thinking about getting vaccinated. And I mean, when I tell you, it was like a hundred comments of just people just like, no, and yes, and mm-hmm. it was like just crazy. It was like just a, a crazy scenario where just people were just voicing their opinion in so many different ways. You would think every, you would think a lot of people were professional doctors and stuff. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tommy, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you sharing your experience with us. I want to turn back now to our guests. In Minnesota, about a quarter of adults have not gotten a COVID-19 vaccine. People have a lot of reasons for being hesitant or opposed. And here to talk more about vaccine hesitancy and how to have conversations with friends or family who are hesitant are two guests. The first is Bill Doherty. He's a family therapist and professor of family social science at the University of Minnesota. He's also the co-founder of Braver Angels. It's an organization that brings together reds and blues to try to depolarize America. He's leading a session on how to talk vaccine delayers and deniers into getting a shot later this month for health partners. Good morning. Good morning. We also have Dr. Eduardo Medina. He is a family physician with Health Partners. He also has a master's degree in public health. He's on the ground every day talking to people about the vaccine. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Medina. So, Eduardo, I want to start with you if you're on the line with us. How do Tommy's concerns about the vaccine stack up with what you've been hearing from your patients in clinic? Hi, it's good to be here. Sorry for the technical difficulties. Uh, Tommy's concerns are, you know, something that we see almost every day in clinic, you know, and um, the ability to be able to understand where a patient is coming from and what is influencing their decisions is really at the crux of what it takes to uh, really promote health in general, but really understand, you know, how to effectively, uh, you know, offer guidance. So, you know, I hear what Tommy's saying, and, I, you know, um, in my experience, there's really three things that we uh, often see when patients who are reluctant to get vaccines. Fear, you know, or being cautious, I would also say. These are relatively new vaccines, so being cautious is an, an appropriate uh, response in my estimation. Certainly there is uh, misinformation or misunderstanding about how vaccines work. And then the third thing that's probably the most challenging is mistrust. So I hear elements of Tommy's response in, in kind of all of those things. Why are we, quote unquote, bribing people to get these vaccines? Is this a trustworthy endeavor? So, you know, this, this is very consistent with what we're seeing in our clinics. And I'm wondering, as you're, evalu- you know, sort of talking to patients about all this, do you, in your mind, have some people in the hesitant bucket and some people in the dug in, never going to get it bucket? And how do you how do you sort of change how you're talking to these two people um, depending on whether they seem sort of malleable in their views on the vaccine or just fully against it? So I think it's each situation is distinct and um, fluid and it's not a zero sum proposition. If a patient doesn't want to get a vaccine, I don't feel like it's a total loss. I also feel like there's a process there, you know, allowing patients to talk, about what their concerns are. They may not choose to get a vaccine immediately, but maybe it's down the road. So I'd say each case is different. You know, if a patient says, I'm really not interested in talking about this, I respect that. But I, I take all comers. And, you know, I think everyone has the opportunity to make the right decision, quote unquote, and it's never too late to do that. So I never I never just, you know, um, relegate people to, you know, not not worthy of having discussions. Okay. So the lines are already 
calling people are already calling in but i do want to just do a shout out again we want to hear from you our guests want to talk to you are you someone who still has questions about the vaccine our guests can answer them are you finding your relationships with unvaccinated friends and family are strained we can help you with that too or do you just want to have a conversation with someone in your life who hasn't gotten the shot and you need a few tips about have that how you should have that conversation i want to take leslie in minneapolis's call leslie what's your situation right now yeah. Hi, good morning. Um, so my husband and I are both vaccinated. I work in healthcare, So I have these kinds of conversations with my patients, you know, on a daily basis, like your like your guest. Our current challenge is um, my mother in law is refusing to be vaccinated. We have two small children, um, three and six. So they're ineligible to be vaccinated. She did have the Delta variant in July and was actually quite sick. Um, And she infected three vaccinated family members um, at a 4th of July gathering. And now we're we're dealing with trying to figure out, um, you know, what kind of boundaries or parameters to set. If she continues to refuse to be vaccinated, um, you know, how long can we rely on her possible natural immunity and then, you know, what do we say to her? Do we withhold contact with her grandchildren? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they really adore her and love spending time with yeah. her. But I don't that, that's really get sick and, <laughs> you know. Yeah, that's that's a really tough situation. I feel like we have a question in there for both our guests. Bill, I want to turn to you first. I mean, your life's work is bringing people together and keeping relationships intact. Bill, what advice do you have for Leslie as she tries to have these conversations with her mother-in-law? Yeah, wow. That's that's a great call to start with, um, uh, as Tommy was at the beginning. So I really, we were off to a really good start here. Um, what, what Leslie's talking about is um, her and her husband's decisions about protecting them, themselves, their children, uh, and what I recommend is to separate self-protection and just making those decisions from communicating to a loved one that they are wrong or stupid or irresponsible. Um, and so there's a kind of a discernment process here for Leslie and her husband about <clears throat> where they want to draw the boundaries to protect their children. And once they decide that, then I recommend communicating that respectfully to her, her mother-in-law, um, not at all implying that she's wrong or that she's being irresponsible in terms of her grandchildren, but just this is what we've decided that we need to do to protect our children at this point. And, you know, I will say we're getting some calls and some questions on Twitter that get at another question it sounds like Leslie has, which is, you know, from a scientific perspective, how much immunity can someone who's already have co- had COVID um, convey and how long might that last? I'm seeing just in the people calling in and on Twitter that this is a reason they're hearing or deciding not to get the vaccine right now. Um, Eduardo, can you speak to that? Like, what do we know at this point about how much having had COVID, what sort of level of immunity that actually gives you going forward? So what we do know is that after a person has a COVID infection, that certainly their body produces antibodies, and that's a natural immune response. What we don't know is how long those bodies, how long those antibodies persist, and at what levels. 
So the recommendations now is even if you have gotten a COVID, if any of you have been infected with COVID, the best chance for persistent immunity or at least as long longer immunity is receiving the vaccination as well. So you'll have the benefit of both the vaccine and the antibodies that your body may have produced. But it's a question that that we don't know the answer to yet. There's some data out there that, you know, um, having the getting the delta variant does pre- and 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 surviving it and, and um, having an immune response um, does produce a, you know a, 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 a robust uh, immune response but the recommendations really are to uh, use the benefits of immunization as well so, Bill, I want to go back to a little bit of the work that you've been doing and the the pandemic. I feel like it's been divisive from the start, right? Not just in the national conversation, but, you know, early on, should we mask? Should we not mask? Now it's like, do we vaccinate? Do we not vaccinate? And I feel like initially we were sort of all in it together. But now I sense in conversations with friends and family that people are just getting fed up and they're angry. I mean, why do you think that is at this point in the pandemic? Well, unfortunately, this is the first um, pandemic and vaccine that's become politicized, according to what I understand from historians. And once it becomes what I call colorized red or blue, you know, uh, conservative, liberal, uh, we we can't deal with it as a country. Look at climate change when it moved into that category. So it's become uh, tribalized. It's become, you know, your people and my people for so many folks. Uh, and then, you know, we're, we're, we expect science medicine to be precise and exact, and it's not. And so, uh, as, um, as Dr. Medina said, you know, it just, it, the data are incomplete and that's frustrating. And the last thing I'll say is that we, many of us thought we were coming out of this pandemic a while back and now it's roared back with the Delta. So there is fatigue, there is anger, there's politicization and it and then it invades our personal relationships i want to take a call next from sue in fargo sue what is the conversation you're hoping to have hi thanks for taking my call Um, i'm wondering how to have the conversation with schools my kids are too young to be vaccinated and they're in school all day so i certainly hope that their teachers are vaccinated but i'm uncertain how to have that conversation with teachers um, and then what to do with the response. I'll take your comments offline. Thanks. Okay, Bill, I want to throw that one to you. That is a that is a tricky question, and I think it's top of mind uh, for parents right now. Boy, it is a tricky question because the schools, of course, are run by uh, school boards, elected officials. There's so much controversy right now. And there's also the question of a teacher's uh, you know, rights to privacy as well. Um, so what what I would suggest is, uh, talking to the teacher and just expressing your concern, just as the caller was uh, for her children, uh, and just let the teacher take it from there. Just so I'm, I'm worried. My kids aren't vaccinated. I'm worried about you know the the, the risks. And what what can you tell me um, uh, about the steps that you're taking and the schools taking uh, to protect uh, all of our children? And then let the teacher go from there. I wouldn't come across as an investigator, you know. Uh, Teacher, have you been vaccinated? You know, are you masking? Uh, just ex- stay on your side of the fence, express your concerns, let the teacher come come to you in terms of revealing what's going on. So, Bill, when we are talking to people who aren't vaccinated in our lives, 
How important is it to really sort of understand where they're coming from as you're having that conversation? Like in terms of what words you choose to use, um, where they're coming from politically, culturally, religiously, how would you advise people on that? Well, Kat, I would advise people to do what you did in your interview with Tommy. You did, you did a great job of, of saying, uh, where, where, are you, where are you? You you acknowledged it. You paraphrased it back. You said, it sounds like you're you know, not so sure about this. Um, you asked some questions. So so the, the way to begin a conversation with somebody who is different from you is to acknowledge where they're coming from rather than just immediately contradicting it. Uh, and uh, and acquire how they came to their view. L- ask for some background on it um, be- before you then go ahead with your position. So it's in the Braver Angels world, we talk about how do you disagree politically. You you join, you connect with somebody first about where they're coming from. Find that a little bit more. Connect before you offer a different opinion. So before we take a news break, I want to take a call from Jean in Minneapolis. Jean, what's been your experience with the vaccine? Um, you know, I was fearful, um, of course, um, just because of the unknown of the um, vaccine. Um, I am an educator, so working in the school, I knew at one point I would have to make up my mind what I had to do. Um, so um, when they offered the vaccination to the teachers, um, I just got a piece from God about the whole thing, and I went ahead and I made my appointment, and I went and I got my vaccination. On the way to the vaccination, you know, my husband and I were driving in the car, and I just happened to look up at a billboard that was on the freeway, and it said, trust in the Lord. And that was a confirmation to me that God was going to take care of me, regardless of what I knew and what I did not know about this vaccine. But I know at that point, he had given me the peace with that go ahead to do so. So I would just like to encourage all of those out there that are, and I think that people are just fearful of the unknown, you know, what what's going to happen. But um, I just want to encourage you. I mean, there's just so much stuff happening um, to people without taking it. And um, I just want to encourage the people to take it, not just for yourself, but just for the people that are around you, the people that you come in contact with every day. You know, it shouldn't uh, have to be just this me, myself, and I thing. You have to think about others, especially if you're going to step foot out of your house and go where you go during the day. Absolutely. You know, you raised some interesting points there. Eduardo, um, Jean's experience sounds really personal, you know, and sort of... Um, uh, somewhat outside of the realm of medicine, I guess. But it, it, but what she said really struck me, which is that people are scared of uncertainty. When you're talking to patients who just are worried about what might happen, what do you find works best in those successful conversations that end up with you know your patient getting vaccinated? Well, I think there's a couple things that that we know work, and personally, in my experience with my patients, that has been helpful. So, you know, making sure that we listen and acknowledge, like, like Bill mentioned, but also, you know, the function of a healthcare professional is to share and really try and provide the teaching opportunity. So what, you know, to share the information that we know that says that vaccines are safe, they're effective, it's the best way to protect yourself and your families. And it's a gamble, you know, if folks that are considering not getting vaccines we can't. We really do not know. You know who will survive and who would not survive if things get. Uh, if you have complications, certainly there's higher risk for patients with pre-existing conditions and and uh, 
things that might uh, make it more difficult for you to recover from COVID, but we just don't know who will survive and who will not survive. So, you know, I, I think the last thing that's important, that Gene touched on this to a certain degree, is, you know, what is our obligation to our, our, our neighbors? What is our obligation to our community? You know, if, if, the, if the reason that we're having a third wave right now, you only get COVID from somebody else. And the more folks that are not vac- vaccinated, the, the opportunity continues for more folks to be infected. And that includes breakthrough infections. So I, I, I do think that it's important that we think about our neighbors, our community, when we make decisions that are, yes, personal, but do have an impact on others. So if I want to start off just sort of talking about the basics of having this conversation. Bill, let's start with you. If you want to have this conversation with a friend or a family member, what's the first thing that you should say to them? Well, let me back up in terms of before you say something, uh, some principles for having these conversations. And one of them is <clears throat> that everybody has to save face. If, if you approach uh, a loved one who is vaccine hesitant uh, with the with uh, disrespect, uh, with what kind of an idiot are you and you are putting us all at risk, you, you've lost the game. Everybody has to save face. You can't be coercive. You have to treat them um, with respect. They, these are adults who make their own decisions decisions. So that, that so a respectful, we're going to have a respectful conversation is the key thing. And then secondly, is, uh, uh, is to uh, listen first, <clears throat> listen first, don't preach, uh, d- don't get into saying you are in, in uh, possession of the absolute truth. Uh, listen to where the person's coming from, and <clears throat> find out where their hesitancy is, acknowledge that. And then here's a subtle one. <clears throat> agree with anything you can agree with in what the other person says. Anything you can agree with, because this softens them in the conversation. So with Tommy, for example, Tommy has heard about people with sore arms and, you know, sometimes lasting a while. Um, You say, yeah, you can say, yeah, I know some people have some reactions. So you agree with something you can agree with. You agree with the uncertainty of the science. As Dr. Medina said, we don't know who's going to get badly sick and who's not. Join first and then say, um, you know, uh, I'd like to tell you where, where my journey, where I've come to on this and why I got the vaccine. You know, I want to take a call from Sandra in St. Paul, who raises an interesting uh, point. Sandra, what, what's your thinking about our rhetoric here and the words we use? Hi, uh, nice to talk to you today. Um, I just think if we could um, change the language around people who don't choose to get the vaccine. I hear a lot of anti-vaxxer, Trumpsters, Republicans, resistors, you know, um, and I think, or people who are thoughtless and don't care about other people. And some people aren't actually resisting. I mean, you really aren't resisting something unless you're forced, um, which is coming. it's just that they've decided not to, and that's not any, it doesn't fall under any of those descriptions. And so I think when we are talking to people who don't um, want to get the vaccine, taking those words out of it would be helpful. 
Bill, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, she raises a good point about how we kind of, you know, so, uh, often, you know, you the language we use really sort of loads the conversation from the get go. Um, how do you respond to Sandra's observations? Absolutely. It's the, the key is respect. And so she's talking about being respectful. What, what I remind myself is most adults historically have not gotten vaccinations. We think of vaccinations as things that, that kids get. And to have a whole population vaccinated, there are bound to be a lot of people who weren't so sure it's the right thing for them. <clears throat> so rather than pathologize this, let's just view um, uh, uh, concerns about doing this, uh, delay in doing this um, as a normal thing in a, in a population. And then let's, let's have the conversations rather than disrespect them. Another thing I want to add is telling somebody <clears throat> that you're concerned for them um, that you're worried for them uh, is a lot more powerful than than suggesting that they are wrong. Uh, so if if you know going back to Tommy, if I'm Tommy's buddy, at some point I might say, "Hey, I know you're in good shape and you work out. You're also not you know as young as you used to be, and I just worry." That if you got this this virus, you'd be feel a whole lot worse than 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 a sore arm. So, um, someone who wrote in anonymously and has a pretty current and difficult situation. It sounds like she's this person writes. My adult son, who was living at home through college, was opposed to being vaccinated. He got the Delta variant last week. I got a breakthrough case of COVID. I've asked him to leave. His girlfriend's family is very, an, um, their words, anti-vax. And as a parent, how do I handle what this person is calling propaganda, especially related to the purported side effects of the vaccine? It's been devastating to our family. Eduardo, I'm hoping you can kind of weigh in on that. When we're, when we're talking about the vaccine, does do conversations about the science around how it was developed or, you know, those side effects, did they really resonate at this point with people? Or do you think people are kind of tired of hearing that? And how do you how do you talk about science when there's also just a lot of disinformation out there about the vaccine? It's certainly challenging. And that's one of the things that has made this pandemic, you know, one of the more challenging things that we as a society have had to face with, deal with. And, you know, you're absolutely correct. There is there are misinformation campaigns uh, and patients are getting information that is incorrect and dangerous. Now, our job, and it's not just the job of the healthcare professionals, but of all the uh, repositories of information society to really uh, rely on the science. But I also tell patients, listen, even if you don't care about the science and the scientific studies and whatever I'm telling you, use your eyes, okay? How many people have died from COVID? <laughs> you know, and very few patients say that's a hoax, that that's real. Patients are dying. Maybe they even knew someone that is seriously ill or died from COVID. That's on one side. On the other side, millions of people have gotten vaccinations. Are there side effects potentially? Yes. Have there been some incidents very rare of severe side effects? Yes. But the vast majority of folks are doing well after they've gotten their vaccines, the vast, vast majority. So use your own powers of perception. And I ask them to, to, to become engaged in the decision-making process. And like Bill said, we don't want people to get vaccine vaccinated just because we say so. This is about you being in charge of your health, respecting uh, your decision-making capacity, informed consent, and we are here to help you make those decisions. 
which is again a plug for primary care. We believe everyone has the right to a healthcare professional that can walk them through these difficult decisions, and we will take care of you no matter what. And Eduardo, you kind of raise a good point. Um, I'm wondering if because access to healthcare is so hard for some people, whether that distrust around the vaccine is actually connected to the fact that they simply don't have a doctor that they can routinely talk to and have a relationship with. How much do you think that plays into this? It absolutely, it absolutely is. So the Kaiser Family Foundation, uh, you know, released some data that the rates of uninsured folks that are also unvaccinated is higher uh, than other populations. So this absolutely uh, is playing a role. And we have to, as a society, as a healthcare system and as a public healthcare system, lower the barriers to getting vaccinations. So we are proponents of being able to, you know, get a vaccine at your workplace. We should make it as easy as possible. And there are some local doctors who are doing this work. Zeke McKinney goes to barbershops. Dr. Zeke McKinney goes to barbershops and he will get you your vaccine at the barbershop. So we know if we make it easy, then people will get vaccinated. Approximately 200 people are getting vaccinated a day at the state fair. So it is incumbent on us to really make this as easy as possible. If we're asking people to do it, let's make it easy to do. Okay, we have so many calls coming in. Next, I want to take a Paul, uh, sorry, a call from Paul in Apple Valley. Paul, what's been your experience? Well, my experience, and I just said thank you for taking my call this morning. Uh, sure. My experience has been that I, before the governor even shut down the state, I had uh, contracted it twice. So mm. I couldn't get a test, but I knew something was wrong. And the second time, and this was going to work, so I didn't have a choice uh, to stay home from, from uh, work. And so, uh, of course, everyone I was working with at the Department of Human Services uh, uh contracted it so either i got it there or on the way to work and so that was one of my big concerns uh you know about not taking the vaccine because i've had it twice already now i am contemplating about doing the booster uh that's another point i wanted to bring up too about the booster you know if i should just get the booster uh when i do eventually decide to get it or uh, just get the uh, regular whole series. Yeah, Paul, that's a really interesting question, actually. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, Eduardo, if you'd be willing to to take that if Paul was in your office right now and he had COVID twice and just wanted that single shot, you know, what would you advise him there? So, so what I would tell Paul, Paul, thanks for the call, is, you know, the same thing that I mentioned previously, the, the benefit of uh, a full vaccination series would make would potentiate would make your uh, previous immunity that you um, have from your previous infections it would boast it would boost that so there's there's really no um, in my opinion there's there's really not a downside to receiving uh, the vaccine and you mentioned the word booster at this point uh, boosters are only available for those patients that are immunocompromised or have things like uh, organ transplants so at this point, I, I, I don't know if patients can, will only be able to get boosters. I, I don't even think that's a possibility, and it certainly is as of yet. But the reality is that um, getting the full vaccination will increase your protection. And, Paul, it would also increase the, folks, the protection for the folks around you. Because, God forbid, you were to get another infection, you could potentially infect other folks. 
Okay. Now I want to take a call from Jeanette Rupert. She's a Minneapolis. Jeanette is someone you've probably heard on our airwaves before. She's an ICU nurse working with COVID patients, and she's also someone who's been a trusted source for family and friends when they're coming to her to ask about vaccination. Jeanette, it's great to have you on the show. How are you? Hi, great. Thank you, Kat, for having me. So tell me a little bit about, you know, it's been months since you got your vaccine, right? How are Mm -hmm. you talking to your friends and family who still haven't been vaccinated? What kind of questions are they asking you and how are you responding to them? Yes, thank you for asking. A lot of my friends and family, they are there. Some of them are nervous. You know, a lot of them are people of color who just aren't um, maybe familiar with you know, something like this, you know, this is, uh, they're, they're thinking of uh, vaccines in the past uh, on the negative side, like the Tuskegee experiments and those things like that, that kind of haunt them and, and frustrate them and a lot of pain when it comes to the history of vaccines for people of color and some of the things that they've, they've known family members to deal with. So, of course, the questions are out there and they want to make the best decision for them. So, as a healthcare professional, my my only you know my only priority right for my friends and family is just prevent present the facts. These are the risks and benefits um, of the COVID vaccine, and these are the risks associated with getting COVID. So I don't necessarily tell them they should or they have to get it, but I really want them to make an informed, educated decision. So presenting those facts and then answering any questions, especially you know, theories that they may see or hear that may not be reputable or evidence-based sources. Bill, I, Jeanette, thank you so much for, you know, sharing your experience. I think you raise a really good point about trusted messengers, especially at this stage of the pandemic, right? There were people who lined up for hours to get their shot, you know, checking websites in the middle of the night to get their shot in the spring. And now I feel like it's really about these one-on-one conversations with these trusted messengers. Bill, you know, generally speaking, in these hard conversations, whether it's about politics or the pandemic or the vaccine, how important is it to really have these conversations with someone who you have like a long term relationship with who you really care about and you really love um, and you really trust? Yeah, it really, I think you're right. It comes down right now to this is the, like the ground game now. This is the um, and not the public health messages and not Dr. Fauci or whatever. It's it's people that we trust. And the thing about facts, you know, when we talk about presenting facts, um, particularly if you're not a healthcare professional, <clears throat> facts come down to who we trust. If, if you're, if you're not an epidemiologist, if, if you're not a scientist, <clears throat> um, it, 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 you don't have direct access to the facts. Most of us are not reading the medical journals, right? We depend on <clears throat> people who we trust, who, who talk about what's in those medical journals. Um, and so, it really comes down to trust. Even understanding of facts comes down to trust. And trust is about interpersonal relationships. And so what I urge people to do is not just to, is to make what we call I statements, not truth statements. An I statement is, here's my understanding of what the situation is with the Delta vaccine, the Delta variant and the vaccination. This is the story that, uh, these are the sources I've used, uh, and this is where I've come down. Uh, and this, I want to return to this thing, uh, this idea about the conspiracies, um, uh, because that's the, that's the toughest one. In my experience, the toughest situation is when somebody has bought this idea 
uh, for instance, that the vaccine is a plot to, to, you know, to kill people off. There, it's really important to not, not just say that's craziness, but to say, uh, you know, to ask where did, where did you hear that? What are your sources? Let me tell you my sources. Uh, would it be okay if I, you know, if I presented those to you? Again, respectful, but bear, bearing in mind that some people don't trust established medicine. They don't trust government, uh, and they trust some some sources that are quite anti-science. Uh, and to approach that with respect, but with clarity about where who I trust and why I trust the sources I do. I want to go next to Dan in St. Cloud. Dan, how have you been navigating all of this? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, as far as my personal perspective, I I do have respect for anybody that you know wants to get vaccinated. Um, I'm not anti-vaccine. You know, my family vaccinates uh, when needed, especially when they're when they're young. But, um, you know, my biggest thing, I guess, is just data. You know, the misviewed, I know you guys have talked about it a little bit already, but, um, you know, there's just so many different, you know, social media, news outlets. I get notifications all the time, but they're all different or skewed in some way. And I also have talked to my doctors that I've been to recently and, you know, not so much about getting the vaccine, but just, you know, about the different variants going around and effectiveness. And, you know, some of them told me uh, they know personal health care professionals that they've worked with that have died and been fully vaccinated. And with, you know, minor side effects or, you know, chances of having a side effect from the vaccine itself, you know, maybe low, but, you know, the chance of potentially still dying when getting the vaccine and then, you know, potentially getting side effects, you know, to me, it's not worth the risk. And I, I wear, you know, PPE, I wear my mask out of respect for others when I'm out in public, when I'm around mm-hmm. family that have been vaccinated. Um, and so, Dan, you, know, you, I think what I hear you saying is that you're not, I want to. I don't want to put words in your mouth. You haven't been vaccinated. You're not wholly opposed to it, but it sounds like you are interested in seeing more data and give the vaccine a little more time. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I work in a production facility, and what we base all of our operations around is data. And yeah, to me, the vaccine hasn't been out long enough to collect enough data. I'm not saying it's not collecting data because it is, but to me, it's not something that can be done in a year's time and maybe not even two years because now, you know, now they're suggesting a possible third booster because of the effectiveness of the, the first two. Um, so to me, it's yeah. the data still being collected, um, still being informed. And then where you get that information for sure and knowing it's 100 percent accurate, you know, those are all big factors yeah. for me. And, and so, Dan, I you raised some good points. And frankly, I 
when I talk to people about their vaccine hesitancy, this is probably the single biggest reason I hear all the time is I just want to wait and see a little longer. Eduardo, can you talk about how this vaccine in terms of its development compares to the development of other vaccines we're we're familiar with, like flu and, you know, measles (laughs) and that sort of thing, and maybe uh, just address some of the concerns that uh, Dan has. Absolutely. I I think Dan brings up some some valid concerns. And I I just, before we get into that, I really want to appreciate the fact that Dan uh, understands that if he's not getting vaccinated, there are also other measures that he's taking to protect people around him like using masks and social distancing. So it's important to acknowledge that while vaccination is remains the most effective way to protect yourself and your families, there are other things that we have to do to get ahead of this pandemic. So, you know, the science here is very robust. I know this is probably the most, you know, the vaccine that's gotten the most scrutiny that I can remember uh, in my career as a healthcare professional. So the technology that the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines were based on is not new technology. The mRNA technology has been around for many years, at least 10 years. And, but it's been applied to this new COVID-19, SARS-CoV-2 variant. And a lot of um, trials were done before the vaccine was released to the public. And data continues to be collected after in post-market analysis. And what we're seeing is very, very, uh, you know, we are very confident. And and in fact, all the data shows that the vaccine is effective and safe. Now, Dan mentioned, yes, are there breakthrough vaccinations? And can someone even die through a breakthrough vaccination? That's the reality. But I, I liken it to seatbelts, okay? You know, you know, a friend, you know, happens to get injured while wearing a seatbelt. Does that mean that we don't wear seatbelts anymore? Or if you forget to put your seatbelt on one day and you don't have an accident, does that mean that you'll never wear a seatbelt again? Of course it doesn't. Seatbelts and vaccines are prevention, <laughs> They're here to keep us safe. And the data is is really, really overwhelmingly robust. You know, um, we are getting close to the end of the show, but I do want to take one more call from Brayden in Moorhead. Brayden, what's been your situation with your family? Yeah, thank you. First of all, thank you guys for taking my call. Um, so my family, um, just for background information, I am fully vaccinated. I was one of the first people at my university to line up to get the vaccine when I was able. Um, but a lot of my family are on the other end of the spectrum and are basically saying that they would rather die from COVID than get the vaccine. Um, I recently was talking, I have loved ones that are currently like on ventilators fighting for their life. And my family has kind of resigned to, well, if they die, that's what God had planned for them. And I am like having this like on the edge, on the edge of my like ability to like communicate with them still, because I can't listen to them talk about my loved ones fighting for their life. And it's okay that they die because at least they didn't get the vaccine. Brayden, I'm so sorry. I can hear in your voice that this is just heartbreaking for you on a lot of levels. Are you worried that your relationships with these family members won't survive the pandemic? Um, I, that is a fear that I struggle with every day. Um, as I said, like, it's not just like my grandparents and 
it's like my own father and I'm just worried mm. that our relationship is not going to be repairable after like after the pandemic is over just because like I can't sit back and listen to them talk about my family who's fighting for their lives and how it's okay that they're dying because at least they didn't get this government vaccine and they, at least they did like and they're also on the end where they have been not masking the entire pandemic they have been basically acting as this is not real and it's yeah. like it won't hurt them but even yeah. we have family members who are fighting for their lives right now i we have just a couple minutes left and i really would like for bill to weigh in on this because i think this is kind of gets at the heart of the matter um, how how do our relationships survive the pandemic if it really is that divisive within a family? What advice would you give to Brayden at this point? Yeah, Brayden, it just it is heartbreaking. Uh, what I can say is that the we do not have to let this virus ruin our family relationships. What I mean by that is we don't have to let disagreements about this ruin our family relationships. It sounds like this family are, are set. Um, it's, it, they are, uh, they have a collective mindset on this. Um, um, and maybe it's even a collective delusion, if you will. Um, but they are set. And, um, and this, what I'm going to say is very hard to implement, but it's kind of radical acceptance that they are who they are. They are approaching this as they are. They're making their decisions. Uh, and to protect oneself from conversations that are impossible to, to sit in, you can exit, exit those conversations. But you do not have to let this cripple your relationships with your family. That is letting all of those conspiracy folks hurt your family. I want to thank our guests so much for joining us today. We had Bill Doherty and Dr. Eduardo Medina, as well as Tommy McBrayer Jr. Jr. Thank you all for joining us this morning. If you didn't catch our conversation, it will be on our podcast soon. This conversation was produced by NPR's Maya Beckstrom. been listening to a recording of a live radio show on NPR News. You can hear Mike Mulcahy, Ewan Kerr, Catherine Richard, and other guest hosts during a live call-in show at 9 a.m. weekdays. Looking for Carrie Miller? She's back talking about books and ideas at 11 a.m. every Friday starting September 10th. Thanks for listening.